Today's sponsor is Audible with an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more. Get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at audible.com slash decode. Today's show is also brought to you by FreshBooks, which makes cloud accounting software that is ridiculously easy to use. FreshBooks has completely transformed how 5 million small businesses deal with their day-to-day paperwork. They do everything from invoices to expenses to time tracking. Get a 30-day free trial and start saving time and money at freshbooks.com ask. And finally, we'd also like to thank Qualcomm for making today's show possible. First, they connected the phone to the internet. Now they're connecting the internet to everything else. Qualcomm, they're the restless inventors bringing the future forward faster. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, senior editor of Technology at The Verge. And this is Too Embarrassed to Ask, a podcast that's all about making technology easier to understand and use. If you have questions about technology you've been too embarrassed to ask, you have found the right podcast. No question is a bad question. A lot of you have been asking how to submit your questions, so here's the best way to do it. Email Kara everything directly. <laughs> I'll give you her email. It's Kara at Recode.net. Just send them in. She'll, read, she'll respond to everything. I will respond to everything. But actually, you can tweet them to at Recode or to myself at Kara Swisher or to Lauren Good at, I don't know, what is your Lauren at? Good with an E. With an E. Uh, with the hashtag too embarrassed. That's two R's and two S's in embarrassed in case you cannot spell. We also have an email address now because we have caught up with the times and times. it is not a hotmail. The young it's people too- are emailing as I understand it. I don't know. We need a Snapchat really mm-hmm. is what we, we need. need. The Snapchat. Let's we call need it the, the Snapchat. We need the Snapchat. The Snapchat. The Telegram. Telegraph. What is it called? I don't even know. Telegram it's is telegram. an actual mail app you do. I use with my sources. But go ahead. Okay. Yeah, on. that one. That's the one I'm thinking of. Okay. Well, our email is actually too embarrassed. That's two R's and two S's at Recode. Net. Great. And you can find all of our past episodes at iTunes on iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. And while you're there, leave us a review. So, Kara. Yes. I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed last week's podcast. Yes, it was very good about the Apple event. We had Walt Mossberg yeah. in, special guest Walt Mossberg. We had Dan Fromer, Recode's yes. editor-in-chief. And they both determined that the event was aggressively fine. Which is not really great. Fine. Yeah, do you remember that? It was like what? Oh, no, they didn't love. I the just stuff. remember us all chanting "dongle" at the same dongle. time. Dongle. Well, the thing is, they didn't get happy. the reviews were meh. You yeah, know, a lot of the reviews were like. Eh. Well, the real reviews are out now. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. The I've reviews are. Them. Oh, I thought you meant last week after no, the event. No, well, it was meh after the event, and then it was yeah. meh in the. Eh. It's largely seen as a transitional year for like, for eh, some of these products. It's you know, fine. Yeah. whatever. Yeah. Do that Did you get more? one? You just do that once more? Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to do when I'm old and I have it? like intestinal problems. Go. Thank you. Um, um, do you like it? Are you liking it? It looks exactly Yeah, well, I've been thing. reviewing the watch. So yeah. I'm more, you know. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Like, yeah. Well, in either case, if you are interested in uh, listening to last week's episode, you can find that on iTunes. It is yeah. all about the Apple event. And uh, go to theverge.com for some reviews, too. Yes. And um, I am not getting the new iPhone, just so you know. And Kara Swisher has... Um, I've declared it. She's put her foot down. She's sticking with her giant success Giants. tablet that, with her Lumi case. It's my Lumi case, which Kim that Kardashian at right now. Me. I just want to say, not yeah. to drop any names. And speaking of that, we're talking about drugs this week, correct? We <laughs> Wait, what? No. I'm not. Kim what does is not the, do drugs. What is the, oh, I was going to say, right. what's the correlation there? Yes, we are talking about drugs. Yeah, but not just any drugs. Not just no, any we drugs. are talking about cannabis. Uh, and this yes. is a very topical <clears throat> subject because this November, eight states will vote on the legalization of weed for recreational use. So, not, you know, not just medical purposes, medical but, purpose. you know, Kara wants to get high. And how do I get that stuff? I actually um, have one of those cards, but I'm, I don't use it. Oh, all right. Yeah. I, th- I thought that was like you come, you move to California and you get your license and then you get your card. No, you don't. But the thing is, it's really interesting because California will be the biggest state to pass this. It looks like it's on its way for approval. And so it's a big deal. And, and they have it in Colorado now and, and many other states. And it looks like at some point it'll be a federal 
action on this issue. But it looks like it's headed the way of liquor at this point. Well, it's, you know, there are some proponents of legalization. Mm -hmm. There are also some people who are averse to the idea because of, well, a lot of reasons. One, that we're talking about a drug, but also things like taxation. Right. So we've invited Keith McCarty. He's the CEO of Ease, which delivers medical marijuana on demand to consumers across California to join us today. Keith, thank you so much for joining Too Embarrassed to Ask. Thanks for having me. So tell us about what Ease does. And, you know, it's medical marijuana delivery, but your business will be changing relatively soon if the legislation passed, which it seems to be headed that way. Yeah, Ease is um, a technology service that allows qualified patients to get access to medicine by connecting them with a compliant dispensary. So they go to the website, it's easeup.com, E-A-Z-E-U-P.com. And they go through a sign-up flow. Uh, they submit everything. EaseUp.com? Correct. Does everything have to sound like you're high? But go ahead. Move along. <laughs> so so they, they submit everything that, that's needed to verify their eligibility. So California State ID, their recommendation letter. If they don't have one, you, they can actually click a button and be connected with a physician to go through that evaluation. Not uh, just one of those doctors in Venice Beach with the green outfits that just hand you <laughs> when you give them 20 bucks. Qualified physician. Okay, fine. Yeah. Okay, whatever. So once they're verified, uh, they get taken to a menu. There's, you know, high-def images and, um, you know, rich descriptions. All the products are tested, so the test results are on there. They just simply select what they want or need. They click, you know, the shopping cart button, and mm-hmm. with a click of a button, it automatically routes it to a driver, and the average delivery time is about 15 minutes. So wow. it's truly the easiest, quickest, and most professional way to receive Instead cannabis. Instead of having to go to the dispensaries, right? Correct. But you use dispensaries. You're connecting people with dispensaries or with local growers or right. all of the above? So Ease is a technology service, and compliant dispensaries use the technology I see. to Sort to of like Munchery, so to speak, which comes after the pot delivery. Although um, Munchery does make some of their stuff in-house, don't they? Yeah. They have chefs in-house in yes. industrial kitchens. Yes, but you can get you, it instantly. You guys aren't growing pot. Correct. Okay. Today. Um, so when was it founded? And how much funding did you get for this? Yeah, so Ease launched July 2014. And, you know, we've announced um, our Series A about a year ago for $11 million. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think the growth is... Who is were on, the funders? What is so DCM led our Series A. Okay, Dahl Capital Management. And how did you think of the idea? What was the... What were you sitting around? You were at Yammer, which is not really adjacent. Yeah, pretty different. The um, Enterprise software? Enterprise software. software. You don't think people working <laughs> in enterprise software might... I don't know. So linked to cannabis? Perhaps. But wh- where did you come up with the idea? Like, where had you been that would cause you to move to this area? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I don't have a Pineapple Express story to mm-hmm. share. Uh, my background is actually in tech. I helped start a company called Yammer, uh, as mentioned. And, and um, we got acquired by Microsoft in 2012. And that's a pivotal year for the cannabis industry. So when I was looking at the next wave of technology and what I was passionate about... Uh, on-demand really was, you know, you know, ringing a bell. I just, I'm very bullish on the whole on-demand consumer service category as a whole. But around that time, we also saw other kind of products or services being made available via on-demand. You know, mm-hmm. Uber and Lyft did a great job of paving the way for ride-sharing, but people were utilizing this uh, proliferation of mobile devices and geolocation to connect a consumer with a service provider and with a click of a button, driving efficiency through the logistics. But not all of them were taking off like ride sharing. No. And um, so I started to question why, uh, because they're all multi-billion dollar opportunities or industries. And I, I really created three pillars of that I now consider the kind of the success criteria of on-demand. So having a high frequency of use, being agile on the supply side, and being naturally social. And literally looked through every product and service that was out there. And cannabis kept popping up. 
I'm not a cannabis explain, user myself. Explain why that popped up. Like, mm-hmm. You use it all the time. Yeah. So high frequency of use. Mm-hmm. Um, being agile on the supply side, so it's not perishable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, drivers can have it uh, in their car, and so managing the operational aspects of it's easier. Um, exactly. Yeah. You can have. You know, there's kind of two models in on demand. There's um, one where you have a curated menu or a limited menu, and you have fast deliveries, or you have a much broader option like a Postmates, for example, but it's like an hour delivery. Mm-hmm. And that's because food is perishable. And, you know, with cannabis, you have the best of both worlds. You can have a broad menu. Um, it's also, um, you know, very small in size compared to it's light. The, the, yeah, compared to the price. And um, so I think you get the best of both worlds. And that's really about mm-hmm. the, the agility. And you don't have to be as exact, let's say, when you do these um, demand projections. So, so you know, you're saying you weren't a cannabis user, you hadn't ordered it? Um, well, you know, I, I have, a, of course, tried it in high school, but, but, I I, but I don't consume um, today. So, so but I, you I, like the product area. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's the next part before I started the company is just to do an immense amount of research. I didn't know much about it. And, you know, I, I came across stories like Charlotte Figgy, a little girl that had grand mal seizures. And, you know, I'm sure any parent out there, I'm sure they can imagine that you do anything for your kids when they need, you know, that type of help. And nothing was helping. And as a last resort, they tried cannabis, uh, high CBD, low in THC, and, and it, you know, it stopped her grand mal seizures almost immediately. And she hasn't had one since. That strain is now called Charlotte's Web. So coming across these stories um, was, you know, there was a lot of ethos behind starting this company as well, because I think there's a huge stigma that's attached to it. But when people educate themselves, their mindset changes. But it's really about educating Everybody well, this is in the, the medical use are. area, correct, though? Absolutely. Right, right yeah. now it's headed to recreational, which is a whole different ball of wax. Yeah, when so you th- started, first started looking at the company and doing this research in 2012, what was the legal landscape like at that point? So at that time, um, you know, I looked at, well, one, the majority of Americans favored legalization in 2012. So I looked at the most recent comparison, which would be gay marriage. And when you have that pendulum shift, my hypothesis was that it would move in that direction of legalization and it would, it would happen at accelerated rate. So that's been true, right? More and more states since 2012 have come online to offer legal cannabis, um, not only medical now, but also recreational. How many total? Uh, nearly half. And just this year alone, there's going to be five additional states for recreational moving from, from medical. So I want to talk a little bit about the logistics of the business, and we should also talk a little bit more about this vote that's coming down in November. So you guys aren't growing the marijuana. You are working with local dispensaries. You dispatch drivers. What happens when the drivers are driving around and they've got all of this marijuana in their vehicle? I'm assuming it's your company vehicle that they're using or it's their own personal vehicle. How does that work? And what happens if, let's say, they get pulled over? That's where ease is different than the Uber comparison, right? So Uber contracts or, you know, employs mm-hmm. the drivers directly, whereas in California especially, the requirement is that the delivery people have to work directly for the dispensary. Third-party delivery services are not allowed. So ease purely is a technology play, and we uh, streamline the, you know, the way in which drivers become eligible and, and work for the dispensary, but the dispensary employs or contracts that driver. So Got they're it. not ease drivers. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. And so are they using some type of Ease app? Correct. That, and so the dispensaries have the app, you guys have the app, but you're just telling them, you're basically, uh, you're directing traffic in a sense. Correct, yeah. A patient goes to the Ease website. When they sign up, they select what they want, they click request delivery. Ease manages all the logistics for the driver, but the driver has a mobile site application that shows them who's ordered it, 
what they've ordered and how best to get there the safest and, and quickest. And then what do you charge? What is your charge? So, how do you make money? So Ease is free to patients, and we charge a fee to the dispensaries for you know the logistics. We're and trying data. to get more business, correct? Who are that's presumably their incentive to do this. Absolutely. Right. And so, what is the fee? What is the fee that you get? What's the part that you? Have? It's different for every dispensary, depending on you know their volume. Uh, they would be using more data, or there's more logistics, or more of what we provide that they need. So it's it's really based on it's different for every dispensary. So does that make you profitable? On a unit economic basis, yes. We're not profitable as a company purposefully because you know we're in a growth phase, especially with legalization right around the corner. How know? many states are you in now? So California is the only state that we're in, but mm-hmm. California is nearly half the cannabis market. Mm, so of course it is. It's the sixth largest um, GDP if it were a country, and it's the largest GDP if you know in the U.S. Happy cows live in California. Absolutely. Um, so you're only in California, but you assume you're expanding out as this new legislation. And explain the legislation for people. These are legislations across the country in eight states. Is that right? Right now it's legal in Colorado and Washington State. Correct. It's legal in. 23 states oh, okay. for medical legal, right? right? And then for recreational, it's legal in Colorado, Washington, Oregon, Alaska, and D.C. Oh, I didn't realize there were so many. Okay. All right. And then and what is that? You will be operating there or what's the plan? The plan is to operate everywhere that where legal cannabis is allowed. Mm-hmm. We can't do it all overnight, but the good but news is- you started is, with California because everyone's it's the biggest market. Correct. And it's on the brink of going recreational. It's going to be on this uh, November ballot. So Prop 64, everybody get out there and vote. Mm-hmm. You know, I think- from our perspective, it's not just that. California was the first state to go medical 20 years ago. And so it has a lot of the infrastructure that's built up. Uh, and I think it's, you know, it's nearly half the cannabis market uh, today. So there's a lot of learnings that go into developing the technology and creating the right experience for the end consumer. And, you know, California is really the place to be right now, especially leading up to recreationalization. So mm-hmm. we launched July 2014 in San Francisco. And then we expanded throughout the Bay, and we're now in uh, nearly 100 cities across California. So the Bay Area, L.A. County, Orange County, and San Diego County. And right. so if, if it is legalized for recreational purposes, you are absolutely planning on servicing that market as well? Absolutely, yeah. God, the cartels better do something. Do you see that as being inher- inherently more risky? Yeah. Or I mean, what does that bring into your business, mm-hmm. aside from the obvious, which is money for you guys? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think it's, you know, we're going to follow what the voters decide, right? And so for us, from a technology perspective, it doesn't change very much except for you remove the requirement to capture the recommendation letter, and it's just the the state ID that you need to capture. Uh, What does it mean? It means that uh, we're able to start really disrupting the illicit activity that's happening. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Putting tax dollars into books and education for kids as opposed to illicit cartels. So you, are you expecting any problems? Because, you, you know, the taxi unions didn't like Uber. This is a very different group of people um, that you'll all be disrupting. There doesn't appear to be many incumbents. In fact, you know, Ease is a leader in many ways, not just because of, you know, the rapid growth of the business, but also in uh, sort of elevating with the business acumen and really the data that we're capturing, right? We're able to educate the regulators, the media, mm-hmm. uh, even patients that are interested in using cannabis. You know, they don't know much about it. So, this kind of frictionless, um, low barrier to entry, you know, I think is, is really powerful. And I think that what we're seeing is, and, and sort of our mission is to, to help educate people as to what the benefits are of cannabis and, and educate them as to what, you know, how to consume it, uh, what they should feel in terms of effects, 
um, how they shouldn't feel maybe. You know, so when it turns to recreational, it turns into something else. I mean, even though most people have medical things are maybe using it recreationally, how do you address that? Because, you know, obviously in every state that has happened, they've had issues around kids, they've had issues around people using too much and things like, just like liquor or like anything else. I think it comes down to education. And I think that... Um, you know, a lot of the most recent data that's coming out is that, you know, those problems don't really exist um, mm-hmm. as much as people may think that they, they do. Wait, which problem specifically? Kids or the harm of, harm of cannabis. In fact, it's not only medicinally. Health harm or the abuse we... harm. So in states where it's legal, they actually find that it actually goes down, mm. right, in terms of, you know, kids using cannabis. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's because the legal market is disrupting the illicit market. And that's um, when there's a proper framework in place to provide both accessibility and safety, you know, if that's, you know, pre- preventing people that aren't eligible to be able to buy it, meaning anybody under 18 or 21, depending where you are, that's one way in which the legal market would, would allow that because they're following the rules, whereas illicit activity is not. When you say that um, in areas where it has been legalized, the abuse rates have gone down, I mean, what kind of data are you basing that off of? Third party. You know, there's, there's um, analysts out there, there's research papers, you know, one of the problems right now is that cannabis is still Schedule 1. So that means that they're saying that it's not medicinally beneficial, um, although it clearly is. And, you know, that also prevents things like um, research to happen, like it, like it could with any other industry that's not, you know, classified as a Schedule 1 drug. So there is a lot of research, but it's not as much as what we'd like. Um, but I think that, you know, this is, this is an area where, you know, rescheduling the drug would, would certainly help. But as the market matures, as the opportunity becomes bigger, people are just kind of taking that leap and really uh, doing it on their own without with it still being scheduled. And it, and it is kind of an inevitable kind of thing. So talk about this, just before we get to questions, talk about the um, selection. Like you're sort of like, and I don't know, would Amazon get, are you worried about Amazon or anybody else getting into this? Amazon likes to sell anything at all, don't they? Amazon doesn't do 15-minute deliveries. I think that... Um, <laughs> Today they don't. There's, Until um, the drones take over. Exactly. Yeah. That would be a good drone. Yeah, We'll um, use them too. Are you you're using, are you going to use drones to drop off cannabis? I mean, I think that We're it's not a core reasonable. focus right now, but mm-hmm. I think once We're teasing the- it, ignore <laughs> us completely. But what I'm wondering <laughs> no. is more about, no, do you expect big jobs. incumbents to come mm-hmm. into the market once it becomes a big market? Because it is going to be one. Right. So on the menu, and then I'll get to the, incu- the other select. incumbents, mm-hmm. right? So our approach is that, well, one of the hypotheses that I made was that this is going to follow the alcohol market to some degree in the fact that, you know, pre-prohibition with alcohol, there was, you know, moonshine, you know, with these crazy names like White Lightning, Triple X, mm-hmm. and you know that's just not what you see today. Um, it's really built around brands, and you, we see that movement already happening in the cannabis industry, where brands are being created. And Ease's menu since day one has really been catered around being product centric and not necessarily where the brands are coming from. Right? Mm-hmm. It's really about just like with Uber, you know, when you request a town car, you know that you're going to get a 2006 or newer. You don't care if it's coming from Bobby's limousine or Johnny's limousine. You just want the 2006 or newer with a driver that's been background checked and has a certain efficiency score. Mm-hmm. Ease is very much the same way. We're only safe products of the highest quality at the most competitive pricing or even allowed on the is menu. Is there a Jack Daniels of marijuana now? No, I guess, or Budweiser of marijuana. Celebrities are leading kind of the way in terms of brands, I would say. You know, mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg has uh, his brands. What's um, this called? Leaves. It's a Poetic. Shocker. That's a shocker. It's like leaves of... <laughs> It's not a shocker in any way. You mentioned pricing. I honestly don't know. How much is marijuana right now? If we were to order some, what's a normal amount to order? How much would it cost us? 
there's different product types, so there's different ways to consume it. Really, the when we guide patients through the, the menu, we're really trying to get three questions answered. How do you want to consume it? Right? Mm-hmm. Do you want to eat it? Do you want to smoke it, vape it? The next one is, you know, how do you want to feel? And post-recreational may look like, what are you doing? Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is, how much do you want to pay? Or how much can you pay? And that's relative to quality. So, you know, we design the menu to address all those buckets. Oh. So there's product types like flowers or edibles or concentrates and pre-rolls. Those would be the ways in which you consume it. Then there's the effects, which today it's like indica, sativa, and hybrid or CBD. We're really trying to train. I have no idea what you just said. What is that? (laughs) Exactly. So we're trying to create a menu that's kind of a nomenclature that people are familiar with. So a better way to say that would be like active, balanced, or relaxed. I see. Okay. So that's the second question we're trying to get answered. And then thirdly, it's about price to quality. So we have, you know, the top tier, the mid shelf, and then the bargain. And I think that, you know, no, there was bargain marijuana, but I'm just curious. Can you give us a, some type of range of how 20, much? about $20 to $60 for one eighth of flour would okay. be an example. And meaning what? That's what people normally, here's why I'm asking. <laughs> My friend was dying of cancer and they asked me to buy the marijuana when it wasn't medically available because mm-hmm. they were in a lot of pain and I had never bought marijuana. And so I said, well, I guess I, I talked to a dealer and I said, I'd like a pound. And they thought I was a <laughs> drug agent. <laughs> It was very embarrassing right. to have a drug dealer laugh at you. It wasn't very nice. And I said, what's wrong? And, and then when he delivered it, I was like, this is very sticky. What is this? And he laughed at me again. And so I'm not very good at it. She's pointing out that we don't know anything. So, yeah. so another way to say it is the average <laughs> But will the prices drop? Presumably the prices drop when there's going to be lots of these, right? Right. I, I think so. And, um, you know, the average consumption of a, of a patient today is about a half a gram to a gram. And an eighth is three and a half grams. So... If that puts it into any yeah, perspective. No. Okay, yeah. that helps. That helps. And so us. the incumbents. So that was the, was the the outstanding question around, I don't know, whether or not you think you're going to be battling some really giant competitors in the coming years or months if if this does legalization does pass. Right. Well, I think there's a few differences. Uh, the first one is that you have to verify eligibility to be able to receive uh, this type of product. There's age requirements even in a post-recreational sure. environment. Uh, the next is that having a product-centric menu that's specifically for something has a, a lot of power. The data that we're capturing around what people are consuming, what they like, what they don't like, and building a graph around that to build a recommendation so engine. So you'll know what people buy right? like. As we start to understand consumer behaviors and then draw parallels between your consumer behavior and everyone else's in our database, you can start to build this recommendation engine. So the you know, kind of the, the focused solution has a lot of weight and a lot of value in it, especially for something that, you know, potentially affects you psychoactively, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like you're ordering hamburgers and hot dogs. You know how you're going to feel after you eat a, a hamburger versus Badly. a salad, but, you know, but it's a little bit different when you were talking is about there, At some point when it becomes not as much of a hot button issue, some of these companies are clearly going to get into that delivery. I mean, you could see Uber doing it too or, or any other. Yeah, and I think that publicly traded companies are going to be a little bit more resistant until it goes federally legal, mm-hmm. and um, and hopefully at that they'll point it's too right late. In. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or they'll buy you or something like that. And then the last question: Do you ma- and then eventually you're talking about this sort of reputation system for these different selections? But at some point it will be brands. You know, maybe you'll see the tobacco companies get into it. Whatever these people who are good at delivering these kind of products, um, do you imagine that happening more and more? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, like I said, our hypothesis was that it's going to move to a world of brands. Um, until then, I think it's important to carry the best products and to really listen to the patient's voice. What do they like? What do they not like uh, through rating systems? Right, what's the best product? 
what is right now your highest rated cannabis on the site? It varies across the board depending mm -hmm. on you know what you're looking to use it for. Mm -hmm. um, some popular strains are like Girl Scout cookies what? or <laughs> names these things. Yeah. Girl Scout it's, it's cookies. Actually, they're cookies made with the marijuana, or it's just mar a type of marijuana, but it happens it's, to be named Girl Scout cookies. It's a strain of, of flowers mm -hmm. that's named Girl Scout cookies. Oh, okay. These people. What else? Huh. Give me another name. That's pretty clever. You should bet. It's horrible. But I, have, I have children, so there, but what? Yeah. There's a new brand called State that just recently launched. Who? Uh, State. State. Okay. Yeah, that right. one's pretty popular. Uh, Bloom Farms. They produce uh, oil cartridges or the oil for vaporization. Mm -hmm. so it sounds that, like they would make organic yogurt or something. I know the way they do that and marijuana. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting. All the the, the brands that are going to. Yeah. I'm sorry, we interrupted you. Can yes. Yeah, I was just going to say that the concentrates category is the fastest growing. Um, mm -hmm. When you look at the future, in these vaping things. Exactly. So you, when you look at the future consumer, let's say a, a post recreational environment or crossing the chasm, uh, you know, further along in the adoption curve, there's going to be a different type of consumer coming into this. It's not going to be geared towards millennial males, for example. It may be stay-at-home soccer moms. And lowering that barrier, not having to roll a joint or smoke out of a bong, and really just having the oil cartridge that you, you know, you just plug it into a little battery and, and vaporize it. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. And we're already starting to see that trend. Where it really is, actually. I was just somewhere with someone, and I was surprised by it. Yeah, it was interesting. And it was indeed a soccer mom. So uh, in a minute, we're going to get questions from our lovely readers and listeners. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by FreshBooks, the super simple cloud accounting software that's helping over 5 million small service-based business owners conquer their administrative and paperwork in less time with way less stress. It takes only 30 seconds to create and send a polished professional looking invoice. And customers who accept online payments with FreshBooks get paid three days faster on average. FreshBooks can even show you whether or not a client has looked at an invoice you've emailed. It's kind of like having superpowers, but not really. It's not the superpower I would want, but still. They can also track your expenses, cash flow, and the time you're spending on each project. For an unrestricted 30-day free trial, just go to freshbooks.com ask and enter too embarrassed to ask in the how you heard about us section. That's freshbooks.com ask to start your 30-day free trial. We'd also like to thank Qualcomm for sponsoring this episode. We're currently reviewing submissions to the Why Wait Lunch Contest that I've been telling you about. But in the meantime, if you're listening to this podcast, you love innovation. You're also going to love the Why Wait Invent Off by Qualcomm. It's an online documentary series in which two teams are challenged to invent something that uses the Internet of Things to save a life. The teams are given a Qualcomm Snapdragon-powered device and a Dragonboard 410C loaded with advanced processing power, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and GPS. And that Dragonboard is the size of a credit card. Check out qualcomm.com slash inventoff to see what they've invented. Thanks, Qualcomm. And finally, today's show is brought to you by Videoblocks, a stock media company that everyone can afford. With a Videoblock subscription, you get unlimited daily downloads from a library of 115,000 HD video clips, After Effects templates, motion backgrounds, and cinemagraphs. On average, subscribers pay less than a dollar per download over the course of a year. That's the same content you'd find on more expensive sites. It's just way cheaper. Videoblocks is always adding new content to the library, so it stays fresh. As a subscriber, you get everything 100% royalty-free even if you cancel your subscription. Whether you're working on a personal or commercial product, you pay zero royalties and keep what you download forever. Videoblocks is offering our listeners a one-year subscription for $99. That's $50 off the usual price tag for our listeners only. Get your yearly subscription today for only $99 at videoblocks.com ask. 
That's Videoblocks, which is V-I-D-E-O-B-L-O-C-K-S dot com slash ask for this exclusive offer. All right, we're back with Keith McCarty, the CEO of Ease, which delivers medical marijuana on demand to consumers across California. It's probably going to be expanding out. He's been talking about the delivery service and where it's going, especially since many states are now going to be approving uh, recreational marijuana use. And we've got some questions from our listeners. Lauren, do you want to read the first one? This week, our listeners and readers were quite literally too embarrassed to ask questions. Incredible. We put out a call to our, our Recode social media. I asked around the verge we put it out on facebook we said what are your questions about marijuana on demand and a couple people people did respond to me and they said i just don't want to use my name so we're not going to use their names or reporters of course of course of course you know no (laughs) not embarrassed no shame uh the first question we have is from jt how do you run a successful business if you're operating in a gray area meaning it's different at the state level versus the federal level good question so, you know, we operate in compliance with the state. And, um, you know, I think that the guidance that the federal government has given is that as long as you're operating within compliance at the state level, uh, they don't really have an issue with that. Um, although it is still federally illegal and it's still a Schedule One drug, they've given guidance, like I said, that uh, they don't have an issue with that um, as long as you're operating in compliance with, at the state level. And obviously your expansion plans depend a lot on whether or not it's approved on a state-by-state or a federal level. And so you're somewhat limited in the market that you're in now. Maybe it's what he's asking is how do you maximize the current market mm-hmm. that you're in? You know, it goes back to, well, one, the cannabis industry is the fastest growing industry in the world. So it's already doing that um, on its own. I think that the majority of Americans favor legalization, and when that pendulum shifts, uh, naturally it starts to snowball as well. Yeah, the states have given, the federal's given up, essentially. Yeah, they've cut the budget from DEA, and, you know, I think it's, the federal government isn't the fastest moving (laughs) um, thing in the world. So I think, you know, these things, they take time. And in the same way that, you know, California was the first to go medical 20 years ago, and uh, there's a lot of learnings over those 20 years, but before shaping the Prop 64, which is going to be on the ballot this November, California looked at all the other recreational states. So Colorado, Washington, Oregon, Alaska, D.C., and we learned from that. And we've used the 20 years of medical as well as what worked well and what What have we learned? What have you learned? Well, I think that it's the balance between safety and accessibility. And there's a lot of things, um, you know, peeling back the onion a little bit, another layer is, you know, balancing supply and demand so that you're not reintroducing or leaving the door open for illicit activity. So, you know, I think the federal government is taking a similar approach. They're looking at these states, they're seeing what works and what doesn't. They're seeing the tax revenue that's generated, they're seeing how it's disrupting the illicit activity. And they're seeing that, um, you know, it's not being abused, as a lot of people maybe thought, you know, based on the stigma that that's been attached to it for quite some time now. All right, next question. Next question was also anonymous. (sighs) Uh, this person said credit cards. It's Walt Mossberg. Sure. <laughs> Walt. <laughs> it was Moss Waltberg. <laughs> uh, no, this really. Let's just start naming people. Truly anonymous. Uh, credit cards. How do they work? Are you leaving a digital footprint? And then this person mentioned a company that charged a 5% fee for credit card transactions and was wondering why this would be the case. If there's any kind of discouragement around credit card payments um, in this particular field. How does the payment actually all work? Probably all credit cards, right? Well, today it's cash only, actually. Oh, so, um, yeah, it's pretty wild that, you know, the, the service is growing this fast in a world where you mos- mostly pay via credit card. So, you know, I think that, well, one, it's mainly cash business because of the scheduling of the drug and because it's not federally legal. But, you know, at the same time, 
it's not slowing down the growth of the of the industry, right? It's still the fastest growing industry in the world. So how do we deal with it? Well, we don't because we're not collecting the initial transaction. The dispensary does. You know, I think that, you know, we're really pushing um, to create a, an environment where credit cards can be allowed and where banking isn't an issue. Uh, from a safety perspective, you know, it's it would be a lot safer if people weren't driving around with these large sums of yeah, money. Yeah, I didn't and, realize um, it was cash. You know, I think it's also, you know, it's about taxes, right? I mean, it's easier to to hide money when it's, you know, it's when a cash When is it going to be business. credit card? Well, I think it's going to, you know, there's, there's a few different ways to do it. Some uh, dispensaries are, you know, potentially misclassifying today. Others are not misclassifying, but those are much harder to to find the banks that would support that. And then also it's payment processing. So the, you need to find a payment processor that's willing to accept the high risk you know, merchants. You do that. You could do that. Yeah. I mean, I business. think, yeah, for ease, it's more about, and with any startup, really, I think it's more about focus. What's your core competency? Um, you know, do we want to be the bank or the payment processor? Or do we want to focus on data and logistics and, you know, kind of the more of the piping? But, um, you know, we may have some announcements coming up soon, not to spoil anything, but... It's definitely you can spoil it here on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you could pick Look, up some dough doing that. Credit card payment processing is is uh, in some ways critical. Um, yeah, I think so. And um, so, yeah, not to spoil anything, but we'll probably have some announcements here soon. So right Use now, when someone comes from a dispensary to drop off the delivery, that person pays at the the point of delivery. Correct. In cash. Yep. And so you're you're trusting essentially that customer who requested this is going to pay. They're going to have the funds on hand to pay. And that they are who they say they are. Well, we know who well, they, they have are. They have the card, yeah. right? Yeah. So, okay, so you've screened that. That's true. But otherwise, so we, it's we know just, who they are mm-hmm. uh, to prevent diversion. The driver has, you know, the photo that they signed up with. That's, you know, in their state ID, mm-hmm. and that's all been verified and cross-verified with all the other information. So, you know, the dispensary is trusting that they're actually going to to pay. But to hand it to the person that's supposed to get it. But the success rate is extremely high. Well, that's good. There's not many cancellations outside. Yeah. Okay. Don't deliver to anybody named Swisher but me. That was a very good anonymous question. Thank you. Do you want to read the next one? Certainly. It's from Quentin Hardy, of course. I'm not sure what it is. Hi, Quentin. And a reporter for the New York Times. It's now who seem to enjoy their cannabis over there. (laughs) Presumably, it's a laid-back demand, something it would be cool if you could get to later today. What does that mean? I think he might be high. I think he might be high. Quentin, what are you talking about? No, I think what he's saying what is, he can saying? you maybe schedule it for later today? Schedule it. As like opposed a, to like an Uber demand. drive. Because you're talking about this 15-minute window, which is actually incredibly fast. Yeah. But it, maybe he's saying, can, yeah, can I get of, home at 4.30. say you are that parent who has the sick child and you need the marijuana for medical purposes. Can you schedule it for later? Yeah. So I think that... We think that's what Quentin means. Yeah. Go ahead. So for on-demand, scheduled deliveries make less sense when you deliver it fast already. So when you know that you can get an Uber in San Francisco in about three minutes, scheduled uh, pickups make less sense. Although they just added that. Probably for more suburban areas Mm -hmm. where you don't have three-minute pickups, right? So with our operational model, the deliveries across all of our cities are about 15 minutes, and I think that becomes less important. It's not to say that we wouldn't do that in the future. I just say that it becomes less important. Well, Quentin would like it every day at 420. Go ahead. (laughs) Sorry, I had to go there. Uh, this one is from, uh, once again, didn't want his name being used, but VJ. Are there loyalty cards? Hmm. That's Mark Bergen. He's really <laughs> cheap. Go ahead. Yeah. So loyalty is, I, th- I think, important. You know, one thing that East does do is there's, you know, promotions from product manufacturers. And those are, um, those are you know, given to people that, um, that place a certain number of orders per month. Or we have different classifications like VIP. If you place a certain number of uh, deliveries per, per month then you be, you're classified as a VIP and you get different privileges. Are you limited in the number of deliveries you could have? You are not limited in terms of the number of deliveries that you can have, but you're limited in terms of the amount that you can 
Uh, you can have person. per day, and right. then okay. um, and then also on yourself at any time. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Loyalty cards. Loyalty cards are so great. There are idea. loyalty yeah. cards. It is a great idea. It's a great idea. Um, I always love a loyalty card. Who doesn't? All right, the next well, especially one. Especially in their case, especially in the case of medical. Um, Casey, <laughs> so this is my colleague at the Verge, Casey oh, Newman, who God. did say uh, agree to submit a question, but he only, he said we had to read his name as Casey Harambe Newton. Yeah, I just bought him dinner the other night. Now I know why he was so hungry. Uh, can you talk a little bit about whether there is a generational divide, i.e., is there data on generations embracing different drugs differently? That's a good question, Casey Harambe. So I don't know about drugs differently. I can speak on behalf of the cannabis market. Uh, The sentiment across the younger Gen Y, Gen X is that massive support for cannabis um, legalization. But what we're also finding is that, you know, the older generations are also changing um, their mindset. I think it comes through more education. I can tell you that, you know, I grew up in Orange County, Southern California in a, a fairly conservative Christian household. And Drugs just weren't a part of how I was raised. And my mom, when I told her I was starting a cannabis uh, technology company, she you know, almost fell out of her chair mm-hmm. and had some choice words. But I, I had her uh, go through the same process that I went through around educating herself. And, and really, um, she came back a few days later with a, a 180 in terms of how she viewed cannabis. So I think that just going back to the point, it's, it's really about education. And I think that there's a lot more education coming out, uh, especially most recently. And most people that, that take the time to educate themselves usually come up That's with it. The later, older generations did start the whole thing off. I just think there was just shame associated with it. Carol, illegality. millennials did everything first. No, they did not. Okay. I'm certain it was the 70s people. Why do you think that there is such an embrace of this even. among a younger generation? You know, I'm not completely sure. I mean, I think that uh, younger generations are, you know, they're much more open and accepting, maybe a little bit more liberal and, and you know, at a, at a high level, I guess. Um, you know, I think on the older generation, the other impact would be, you know, for example, my mom, when her mother got sick, um, and I don't know if you guys have gone through any illnesses in, in your families, but, you know, when you have to make a decision as to what that treatment looks like, you always second guess, wow, did I do the right thing? And I think it's about choice. It's about not only did I do the right thing, but did I explore all the options? And so the older generations are going through that uh, much more so than the younger generation. So I think it's different. I think it's, you know, the younger generation is much more open-minded maybe, you know, that may be a stereotype, but you know, that's what we see at least. Gosh, I think younger people much more conservative. (laughs) I do. There's a question here, follow up. Do you have a sense of responsibility around the long-term risk effects of marijuana? Do you as a company? Yes. I mean, from a legal perspective, I would say no. But from a moral perspective, absolutely. And I think that that's why we take this so seriously. It's, um, you know, this is a big responsibility for us. And we use the data. We follow data. We have a data-driven decision-making process internally. That's how we develop technology. And we use the data to guide us. We wish we had more data, like research that's out there. But, yeah, absolutely, we, we take a responsibility. And I think there is at least a moral responsibility that we have. All right, Keith, thank you so much for being on our show. This is a really interesting area. And as the legislation passes and goes across country, it'll be an interesting question. And worldwide, do you expect to expand worldwide? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think that we want to be everywhere that that is legal. So Canada, Australia, you know, other European countries, I think, are are certainly where we want to be. And who is your biggest competitor besides the drug cartels? Who are the? (laughs) Yeah, definitely the illicit market is our biggest Mm -hmm. competitor. You know, in terms of ease. Being first to market is a huge advantage, and especially with on-demand because, you know, the geographic network effects, it's just as you increase volume, the service just becomes a lot better, you know, faster deliveries and whatnot. But uh, so we're pretty far ahead of the next biggest competitor, but there's, you know, competitors like Meadow or 
um, or others that are out there. And um, you we'll know, see more of them. Yeah, I think it's, you know, competition's good sometimes. Yeah, well. <laughs> Keith, thanks so much for joining us. This has been another great episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. And if you enjoyed the episode as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show and you can leave us a review at itunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. And subscribing is great. You'll be the first to listen to new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes where we answer all of the tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. That's at iTunes.com slash too embarrassed to ask. Or you can also subscribe on Google Play Music, TuneIn or Stitcher. And of course, you can just go to our website. You can listen to every episode at recode.net slash podcasts. And while you're there, you should check out our other podcasts like Recode Decode, Recode Replay and Recode Media with Peter Kafka. The Verge also has some great podcasts. Walt Mossberg and Neelai Patel host Control, Walt Delete. Neelai also usually hosts The Verge Cast, which I think I'm joining this week. You should definitely tune in. Chris Plant hosts What's Tech. And there's also Verge ESP, which combines science and entertainment. What more did you want? Don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode with the hashtag Too Embarrassed. Thanks for listening. And thanks again to our sponsors, Audible, Qualcomm, FreshBooks, and Videoblocks. Thanks also to Digital Media, which distributes this show. We'll be back next week to answer more of the questions that you've been too embarrassed to ask. Tune in then.